The reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. He's Todd Vandenberg. I'm Rob Steele, and this is going to be the weirdest combination of movies I think we've possibly ever done. But we're going to start with a little bit of news that actually looks a little bit promising. On August 5th, there will be a Hulu original movie called Prey. And I like the way this looks because they're rebooting the Predator franchise. Right. It's going to take place about 300 years ago when it's Predators versus Native Americans. Yep. And I'm not saying that I like the idea of it because I'm sure a lot of Native Americans are going to get killed in this. That's not why I'm saying it looks good. I'm saying it looks good because it looks good. And I'm sure the Native Americans are going to win in the end, which, excellent, again, is a good thing. Um, so you're saying it looks like this it, is, it's going to be cool. So this is kind of like a really soft, six-time-removed reboot of Cowboys versus Aliens, but done better, we hope. Which should have been yeah. a much better movie than it was. But yeah, the clips look really good. I really like the concept of – and instead of going to the far future, it's like let's take this back because obviously the Predators had this technology for quite a while. It makes perfect sense that they could have visited a few hundred years prior. Well, and, you know, according to the Alien Predator movie, they did. Right, which I try to ignore those things. But <laughs> at its best, at its best, this could almost be like a not all could almost this could be like a blend of Predator and Apocalypto, which if they pull off something close to that, would be mind-blowingly excellent. So hopefully, and the fact that it's called Prey is, you know, not Predator 18 or whatever is like. You don't need to call it Predator 15 because we know it's the Predator because we see him in a poster. You don't need to call it that. So I really like just the fact that they've kind of separated it a little bit it, well, just it, by it, the title alone. The other ones are not – it's Predator, Predator 2, Predator and yeah. the Predator. Right, which gets really confusing. Because if which you say, the, ooh, the Predator movie, oh, you mean the fourth one. No. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oddly enough, that's not what I meant. Right. This could definitely easily be the best sequel since the first one, which would be really, really nice. Because I've, I've enjoyed really to, to one extent or another. I've liked all of them, but none of them have come close to the very first one. This one is the first one that looks like it really could do it. So hopefully I'll admit to liking the first three. I like the first three, but not as nearly as much. I don't like two as much as I did one, and I know you like Predator a lot more than I do. The only thing I really like about is Danny. I like him. I like him a lot. Oh, yeah. How can but, you not like that? And I don't mean Danny Elfman, but that would be really weird. Uh, but yeah, Prey looks really, really good, and I'm still looking forward to Nope a lot, and I think I've mentioned it in every show, but I don't care because I really want to see Nope because it looks awesome. Nope. When does that come out, by the way? July 22nd. Ooh, before Predator, even. I'm sorry. Prey. <laughs> See? See? Now we're doing it. Yeah. Already screwing it up. Soon. Yep, that's us. But after, but after Top Gun Maverick, which comes out really That's this Friday, isn't it? Top Gun I Maverick. think it is. Mm, I'm still on the fences whether I'm going to go see it or not. Eventually, I'll watch it. I just don't know if I'm going to go see it. I can save you some trouble on this end. I'm not going <laughs> to. There you go. I was not impressed with the first one. Um, just just because I was expecting it to be 
different than it was. And all of a sudden they threw a love story in the middle of it. And ooh, let, sex on a motorcycle. Ooh, that's that's what I needed to see on a first date with someone who was kind of reluctant to go out with me in the first place. And yeah. Yeah, that went over well. Thank you. I'm sure it did. I'm it sure all, it, it should have ended in love, death and robots. That's what it should have ended in. Should have, that would be a great first date movie, except it's not a movie. And it's a TV show, but it goes with the Netflix and chill thing. Yeah, that's it, which which didn't exist when I was dating. No, it didn't. Because you were dating a long time ago, back in the Stone Age. In a galaxy far, far away. Should have gone to see the Flintstones, which wasn't a movie then either. Actually, it probably was. They lived next door. (laughs) (laughs) Did they now? Did they now? Was it the Flintstones or Flintstones Viva Las Vegas, which is somehow even worse? Anyway, Love, Death, and Robots. This is the third series. This is third batch of episodes from Love, Death, and Robots. If you haven't, we talked about Love, Death, and Robots a long time ago because the first series came out a few years ago on Netflix. It's an anthology series, animators from all over the world. Let's do some short films. Uh, The shortest, I think, is literally six minutes. I think the longest is uh, maybe 30 minutes. So, And that follows for every batch, every group of episodes throughout this. But hopefully... It will touch on one of those themes, love or death or robots, which leaves it pretty open to whatever you want to do. Uh, and like any anthology series, especially it's because these are done by different directors, so you're going to have a very different feel from episode to episode. Some are comic. Some are very serious. It just runs the gamut. Like any anthology series, some of these are eh, okay. Some of these are great. Just like when we talked about the uh, Star Wars animated series that Disney Plus had on. Like, oh my god, this episode, this needs to be a full-length movie. There's some in this too that really are terrific. Uh, The only thing I was really kind of disappointed in of all these episodes on this third batch, oddly enough, was the very first one they presented. To me, they did not go with their strongest episode I, as I just said, they went with their weakest episode. And I can see why they started with this because this is the only one that's a sequel to one of their previous thing. It's like three robots, and it's a comic episode where the three robots are exploring a post-human Earth, and they're just rummaging through all this stuff and they're trying to figure out what people were like. They're doing that again in this episode, but it's so uh, the people who complain about woke culture. They're going to have fun with this because this was over the top even for me, and it was just such an open diatribe about, oh, people are ruining their planet and blah, 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 and I was like, oh my god, could you just soft pedal this a little bit? It was just so, so, so damn preachy. It's like push back a little bit on this. There is a, a, a fun little part reveal at the very end of it. Thankfully, it's like I think seven or eight minutes, but – after that, so it gets much, much better. There are episodes about encounters with aliens. There's uh, uh, one that's basically – there's actually a couple episodes which are very similar to um, space rangers, space marines going and fighting aliens on other planets. There absolutely runs together. There are two episodes where – it doesn't really look animated. It looks like they just did really good makeup on real people. That's that animation style they chose to do. 
all I can say is without explaining every single episode, you definitely want to watch it. There are nine, I believe, episodes in this last batch. And really, really good show. The standouts for me, uh, Bad Traveling, which is about a giant crab monster and a bargain that that uh, one of the people on the ship strikes with a crab monster, which is really, really good. Chibaro, which is the last, the final episode about a knight encountering a siren. And sirens use their power, use the, their song as their power, and this knight happens to be deaf. So, uh, <laughs> some interesting things that going on going on in that particular episode. Uh, as I said, some of, all of the animation is good. Just depends on the style that you like, but it's all really well done. But a couple of these are just. It would probably cost 150 million dollars to do a full length film with some of these, just because the, the animation is just amazingly good. Some of these episodes are just stunningly beautiful. Uh, if you like animation, if you like love, if you like robots, and if you're kind of like okay on death, it's like you definitely should watch Love Death. Bless robots. It's overall the second batch of, of uh, episodes that came out last year. It was like, yeah, they were pretty good. This is an improvement again. I think this is back to the quality of the first year. Uh, IMDb overall rating 8.4 for this batch, so pretty, pretty solid. And Definitely. Like if you've got Netflix, if you're one of the six or seven people who haven't canceled Netflix, according to news reports, yeah, go ahead and watch it. Yeah, so starting off with an animated thing, and I have some bad news. Oh. We're going to continue with an animated thing. That's good news. But it's not a completely animated thing. Oh, that's bad news. Some of it's animated, some of it isn't. And you remember the slogan of the show, right? I do. We watch movies so you don't have to. <laughs> Ted, that means you don't have to either. Ha ha, we talked about that in pre-pro. I beat you. Hi, Ted. Ted. Um, yeah, I, I watched something this week. It's new this week. It's a new movie. It's on Disney Plus for no extra cost. And that's why I said, you know what? I'll go ahead and get it out of the way because I've mentioned it a couple times as potentially looking good or at least not as – Horrible as the concept sounds. <laughs> I didn't tell Todd what I watched, but I think he's caught on. Yes, I did indeed watch the Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie. Because <clears throat> we need to watch kids shows, too, and let yeah. you know if they're worth it for the kids. Well, do it for the basically, children, basically, this movie starts off with... <clears throat> How Chip Met Dale in an elementary school in the 80s, which is interesting because I have a book of theirs from when I was a kid in the 70s. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, it goes through their TV show, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. And I think this is a necessary start since, I mean, I was around then, but even I barely remember this show. Anyway, it was canceled and the in-movie reason was that Dale wanted to go off and do his own thing, which did not work well. So now he's desperate and doing Comic-Cons, and he's in a booth across from <clears throat> Tigra, Lumiere, and I'd like to be making this up, Ugly Sonic from the original Sonic the Hedgehog trailer. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, dear. Now, there, there's a ton of cameos in this. The first one that stood out to me, and this is kind of odd, was Blaster, the Autobot version of Soundwave. <laughs> 
He just happens to be in a crowd somewhere. Um, but let's see. Uh, there's Roger Rabbit. There's the dad from South Park. There's a, a poster for Senator Butthead. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, there's Flounder. There's the Simpsons. There's Naruto. There's a herd of My Little Ponies. There's Paul Rudd. Because he fits. Anyway, the story is about now. It's it's years later, and Monty, the big mouse from the show, has a problem, and he calls both Chip and Dale, who are no longer talking to each other. Uh, Chip is now selling insurance and wants nothing to do with Dale, but when Monty is kidnapped for being behind on his payments for his cheese addiction... <sighs> we watch movies so you don't have to... Anyway, uh... <clears throat> Old Peter Pan collects his debts, because that's who he owes the money to, by kidnapping the cartoon characters who owe him, forcibly redrawing them, and forcing them to make bootleg knockoffs of what they used to make for large amounts of money in China. So basically redrawing wow. the Simpsons as the Samsons, that's a concept that you're going to wish you hadn't seen. Anyway, uh, so Chippendale try to help the police find Monty, uh, leading to talk of a reboot of the show, which Chip doesn't want to do, but the adventure continues anyway, with commentary on everything in the entertainment industry, including uh, things like bringing back old cartoon characters and making them rap, which they do in this, and it's horrific, to having their beloved theme remade by someone popular, which they also do. <clears throat> Uh, there's talk about blatant money grabs. So, of course, there's a poster of Meryl Streep in Mr. Doubtfire. Wow. I mean, there's wow. just a ton of visual gags, uh, including a train track with clear markings of right and wrong sides thereof. Yeah, you're groaning on that, aren't you? Yeah, there's a ton of groan gags in this. There's a few cute gags. Uh, like the the one I liked the most was the cop who was misled about a tip about when Peppa Pig got kidnapped. And there was an anonymous tip that, and it led to them raiding Nick Jr. Studios. And the Toons fought back and, well, the captain will never have kids now. So uh, there's a few mentions of what happened after the Chippendale show ended, like Gadget, the, let's be honest, rather hot mouse from the show, and Zipper the Fly. Yeah, they got married, and they have 42 kids, and they all have various parts of their parents, so you can kind of tell, like, oh, look, that one has her eyes and his wings. <sighs> incidentally, mm -hmm. incidentally, in the original show, Zipper never talked, but he does hear, and he's voiced by Dennis Haysbert. <laughs> Interesting. You'll know the voice when you hear it. Basically, to sum it up, there's a ton of face facepalm moments but honestly, this movie is not for kids, nor is it actually for adults. I could not figure out who this movie was aimed at. I mean, it's it's trying to be Roger Rabbit, and it kind of succeeds, but it really doesn't. Um, so it comes down to, is it worth watching? Well, how bored are you? <laughs> um, stereotypical cop tropes exist, and they're not just recognized in the movie as oop that's a cop trope they use them it's it's not horrible and yet it does end with darkwing duck wanting his reboot like this um 
It has a huge cast, including Kiki Lane, who is the only actual human in the list I'm about to read off. She does a really good job. But it's got the voices of John Mulaney, Adam Sandberg, Seth Rogen, J.K. Simmons, Eric Bana, of all people, Will Arnett, Paula Abdul, and Keegan-Michael Key. So make of this what you wish. Like I said, it's on Disney Plus for no extra cost. It's just the subscription. Parts of it are really funny, and a lot of it is really, oh, they did go there. That's, yeah. so, you know, honestly, make of it what you wish. I, I cannot really tell you much more about it without what? Like I can spoil this. Um, Don't spoil it's a movie. It's there a movie. <clears throat> there you go. I also have eh, it's a movie, but it's a two part movie. Also on a streaming service, this is on HBO Max. So again, if you already have HBO Max, it's like we're going to cost you all a lot of money because if you don't have these streaming services, you're going to have to sign up for a lot of stuff. You don't have these <laughs> this, streaming services. What do you have? Yeah, why you're listening to us? What's wrong with you? I mean, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. George Carlin's that button. George Carlin's, <laughs> George Carlin's American Dream is a two-part documentary about George Carlin and surprisingly his American Dream. It's two parts because otherwise it would be almost a four-hour movie, which would be a lot to sit through, you know, like Zack Snyder's Justice League. <clears throat> Happily, this is much better. This is a really strikes – to me, the perfect blend of clips from George Carlin's routines and just interviews with George Carlin from back in the day when he was still alive because it would be weird if they were doing interviews with him now because he's dead. And other comics talking about George Carlin. So you get plenty of Carlin doing his bits and of him talking about his life at, at different points throughout the, his life and the film and then other comics. The IMDb did a really weird thing though. Looking at the uh, page, IMDb page for that, they list – you know how they list the stars of a movie or whatever – Right. Uh, George, George Carlin is not listed as the top star for some reason. For some reason, they decided that Patton Oswalt is the first name you would want to see if you want to know who is in the George Carlin. Which is like, really? Why would he be the first one? Is he the narrator or something? No, he's just someone who's in that. Anyway, bizarre. Regardless, it starts out practically uh, with George Carlin being delivered. So it goes way back uh, into his childhood. A lot of information that I don't know, which is interesting about his childhood, that he did not have the best, happiest childhood at all. Difficult situation. Watch it. Just not a happy childhood. Put it that way. Has several interviews with his brother. Didn't even know he had a brother. So there you go. Interviews with his older brother and just talking about how life was then and just – and it's not like, oh, this is what George was like as a little brother. It's just more background on why maybe why George is the way he is and but tons of great archival footage like uh, the fact that George brought him on a TV show brought his brother on a TV show to set up like an interview bit instead of getting a professional it's like hey it's like hey why don't you come on and do this with bit with me which is kind of odd that the show let him do that but th- but they did i had forgotten that George Carlin was on one of Back when there were seasons on television, back when there were only three networks, 
they would have summer replacement series because people didn't want to work so hard and kill themselves and make 50 episodes of a show. So they would do 37 or 38 episodes. So they'd have summer replacements. One of the summer replacements show was, I believe it's called the Craft Summer Variety Hour or some bizarre, horrible thing starring John Davidson. And he was one of these super happy, bouncy, oh my God, that makes you want to die because it's so cringeworthy. George Carlin was one of the featured players on that, and I vaguely remembered that. What I had forgotten was that Richard Pryor was the other featured comedian. So you have this super bouncy mid-America, yay, isn't life wonderful thing with George Carlin and Richard Pryor as the comedians. And, and of course, they were really restricted in what they could do, and neither one of them had really evolved their comedy to the point that, that they did later. But it's it's awesome just to see the little clips of, of them working together. But that's what this wow. that's what this is about is Carlin's growth as a person and as a comic. How he started out very straight laced. You see him with his very he started out in the sixties. He's an old dude. He was born before World War Two. He was an old dude. Now he's an eternal dude. Uh, he would have been great in the Eternals, by the way. I would have much much preferred the movie with, if he had been in it. But <laughs> He starts out as this very straight-laced comic, and he talks about the different styles of comedy, and he, there's guys who do jokes, and there are people who relate to life and stories, and he obviously eventually evolved into that type of comic. But he's doing his older routines, and just and then he evolves from more the, the straight-laced stuff that – who could be on the Mike Douglas show or the Dinah Shore show, both of which they show clips of, to doing more observational comedy and the wordplay, and then evolved on from that to pushing the boundaries and becoming a counterculture comic. And it's not that he became that person. It's like who he always was, and then he got the courage to reveal who he really was. It's just it, it's fascinating to watch to watch this and to watch other comics talk about it, like Patton Oswalt, Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld talks about the first time he saw him, and he's like, "Oh my God, that's what I want to do. I want to be that guy." And just what he meant to the world of comedy, and just about what you can do with comedy. There, there's a clip of Carlin. He was he talks about Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce, of course, is a comic who. Talk about pushing the boundaries. Uh, Lenny Bruce was arrested. Of course, he was arrested several times. George Carlin was in the crowd at one of the shows when Lenny Bruce was was arrested. And the the cops are going through the crowd, and they're asking for ID because it was at a nightclub, and you had to be 21 to be in the nightclub. And Carlin, because he's thinking he was counterculture, and he's not going to bow to authority, and he talks a lot about how he never dealt well with authority. He always rebelled against authority, and he refused to show the ID, so they arrested him. He wound up in the same police car with Lenny Bruce in the back of the car. Oh, hello. And yeah, <clears throat> and, he, and he's like, oh, my God. He, he was Car- – Carlin was just starting out. It's like Lenny Bruce didn't know who the hell he was because why would he? Right. But – and he's – of course, he's kind of like, oh, my God, this is so cool, and he's, and he's really proud to tell Bruce – that is like, yeah, man, they asked for my ID, and I wouldn't show them my ID. It's like, yeah, man, we got to fight authority. And I got arrested for it. And Bruce looks and said, Lenny Bruce looks over him and just says, schmuck. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there, there's no shortage of revealing uh, commentary about 
the failings of George Carlin at times too and talks about his relationship with his wife and all the tough, difficult times that his wife went through. There's a few interviews with his wife, a lot of interviews with his daughter. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating, and, and if you care about comedy or if you care about creativity at all, absolutely need to watch this. And I haven't watched the second part yet, but it, there's a, a – Tune in really, next week. Yeah, tune in next week. It's available right now though, so I just haven't gotten around to it. So you can watch it right now, and I recommend you stop listening to us and go watch it But because you know it's much more entertaining than we are – and than I am anyway should have talked about that in pre-pro again, hi Ted. But it, it breaks off at the point where, of course, he had to – because as your career goes along, you have to reinvent yourself because people want something new, right? And this is at the end of the 70s. Obviously, it would be into the 80s. And there's clips of Carlin performing. He was the very first guest host of the very first episode of Saturday Night Live, and there's a clip of that. There's tons of performance clips. And, of course, it does the seven words you can't say on television, which is brilliant. But <clears throat> I believe it was Cheech – I'm pretty sure it was Tommy Chong, not Cheech Marin. But Cheech and Chong had kind of surpassed him in popularity at this point, late 70s, just because things happen. And – Tommy Chong wrote, it's like, yeah, the 70s are over, disco is out, this is out, blah, 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 and George Carlin is obsolete. And Carlin took that very personally but in the right way as a motive, as motivation to reinvent himself, to continue to get better, and he talks about that in the, these clips throughout, throughout the show. And that's where it stops as – because there's a comment where he's, he's doing – Carlin was famous for doing wordplay because he loved – Wordplay. He does. They they show most of the routine that he does about baseball and football. You know the brilliant thing of it. Yeah, absolutely. Made football's played in a stadium. Baseball's played in a park. It's like it's absolutely brilliant the way the, the way he uses language and the way he uses his voice to convey all this. But he talks about the fact that he had gotten to the point where he's just talking about peas and the playoff between peas, like the kind you eat. And peace, like oh, we should have world peace. And he realizes, like man, I gotta, I gotta evolve. I gotta move past this. And that was a wake-up call for him. And that's where it stops. And then it's going to go on to the next part. But absolutely brilliant. And like I said, it's it's just a perfect blend of you get plenty of Carlin's performances and a lot of interviews with Carlin. And I have to say, is like he was on the Mike Douglas show a lot. And I'm sure, like. Probably nobody knows who the hell Mike Douglas was, but he had a talk show, and it was on in the afternoons, and he was a very, very white bread middle middle America stuff, and he had George Carlin on a lot <coughs> Excuse me, past the point when George Carlin had become very politically uh, – not politically motivated, but okay. – well, yeah, but, but, but he, he, his routines had become very political. Right. And 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 one of the things that I think he even surpassed Lenny Bruce was Lenny Bruce got to the point where it was just political and he wasn't even making jokes about it anymore. George Carlin continued to use his his beliefs to to and point make them humorous and and still was entertaining with it. And and Carlin was talking about you know talking about there's a clip where he talks about and he's kind of doing the hippy dippy weatherman kind of thing, but he talks about there's a forecast for, <clears throat> excuse me, war on the streets of America and crimes in Vietnam. And he says it again, making the point that's like that's what he means. 
not crime in the streets, but war on the streets because of protests in the late 60s and 70s, and crimes in Vietnam, meaning we shouldn't have been there. And Mike Douglas continued to have him on there, which is pretty brave for considering who Mike Douglas's audience was. It's like housewives. And he still had George Carlin on, so and Dinah Shore had him on several times. And again, way past the point where he's making jokes about being stoned doing the weather, man. So a, a little bit of credit to them to to let him have that voice. And the the last thing I'll say is like his career, because he said a word that you can't say, one of those seven words, during a nightclub performance, and he had gotten this amazing gig. He was making twelve thousand five hundred bucks a week. In Vegas, this is in, in the in the seventies and stuff. Yes, in the seventies. Holy cow! <laughs> Huge money, hundred and forty thousand bucks a year. He got fired because he used one of those words in his routine several times. He got to the point when he was going to be true to himself, and now he's playing coffee houses because there weren't even any comedy clubs then. And he, he talked about he did this one set and it was like, and eh, no one really got it. But they did the second show and it was great. They loved it. And there were fourteen people in the crowd. So this dude was dedicated to his craft, if anybody yeah. ever was, because he knew that this is what he had to do. And again, even if if you care about comedy at all, but even if you don't, I mean, it's just the the commitment and what it took for him to get not to get where he wanted to be, but to be true to himself, because that's what he wanted. It wasn't about making money, obviously, because he's playing to crowds of 14 people, but about getting his message out there. And it's just absolutely fascinating. That is definitely <clears throat> something that's worth watching. George Carlin's American Dream, and it's on HBO Max. I was looking forward to watching it. I didn't think it came out till this coming week. Oh, it's out. I got something to watch this week. Yay! Something that's not Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Do it's they not dance Chippendale's and, Rescue and, Rangers. and take off their little camping jackets? Because that would have been funny. I bet they don't. No. That's sad. Actually, it's good because that would be terrifying. That whole movie was just weird. <laughs> that sounds. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was really, really weird. Makes me, I'm makes going to go recover from it. I'm still recovering from it, and I need to go finish recovering from it. I'm not there yet. Go find a chocolate beer or something. Yeah, we talked about that in pre-pro. Hi, Ted. See, I can do that too. Yeah, anyway, did. for those of you who haven't noticed, COVID's making another comeback. So if you go outside, wear a damn mask. Seriously. Especially if you go to a movie. Especially if you go to a movie. Otherwise, you know what? Seriously, stay home. We gave you three things that you can find at home. Stay home and watch those. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am very disappointed. Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone. Dorn, that's the end. <laughs>